0: Good morning, church. Uh, Let's start with prayer. Uh, Father God, we ask that you guide us now as we open your book and read your word and help us to apply it to our lives in a serious manner. In Jesus' name, amen. So happy Memorial Day. Uh, As Larry said, uh, sometimes there are things in our past that uh, are difficult to remember and uh, Sometimes there are things that uh, we like to uh, remember that are good for us to remember. Um, We want to remember things like uh, loved ones. Uh, Definitely want to keep those in our memory. Um, But uh, uh, war is not something that we like to remember, but that's one of those things that we don't like to remember that we probably should keep in mind, war. It's, It's a horrible thing, but we can learn from it learn how to um, not make the same mistakes or how to uh, make changes so that it doesn't happen again. I mean, we have a whole book here of uh, Christian history that God tells us that we should really try our best to remember. He wants us to read it every day. Uh, Some things, on, on the other hand, are just good that we forget. Sometimes we really want to forget things. Like the time that uh, one of my buddies convinced me to put on a dress and dress up like a woman and walk in a parade. Um, I mean, back in the day when I did that, it it, it was funny. It it ain't funny now. And I don't really like to uh, think about that, remember that. So don't remind me of that. But uh, some things we just want to put out of our minds just to get rid of it and don't think about those kind of things. Some things are good to forget. Um, In situations like those, we can apply Paul's wisdom when he says, forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. But then again, back to the things that we need to remember. Here's what God tells us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. My child... Never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. What does satisfying look like? A satisfied life. Well, satisfying life looks like one of joy. A life with joy in it. Now, life can be a struggle. It can definitely be difficult, hard, the whole time. Sometimes um, it never gets easier. But if we can learn to have joy in our situations, then our lives can be satisfying. So, To start out our series on serious living, let's look at three ways not to have joy. Three ways not to have joy. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with the sinners, or join in with mockers. Now, this is the exact words of Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. And I've just put the numbers in there because they are the perfect points for a sermon. And I really enjoy when one verse works as the, the, whole, uh, the whole outline of a sermon. And, and God set it up that way many times. So here we have ways to uh, not have joy. The first one. Follow the advice of the wicked. Don't do it. Don't do it. The first time this is recorded in Scripture, that someone followed the advice of the wicked, is recorded in Genesis chapter 1. Actually, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God, God said you must not eat it or even touch it, or you, if you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. The woman was convinced. Now, uh, the last verse there that I just read is just so simple. Like, we have the devil coming to Eve, and he's putting on his A game, because these are the first two people in creation, and he wants to get them. And just like this, the woman was convinced. I wish my woman could be convinced that easily, sometimes by me. Now, I wouldn't convince her of anything evil, of course, but she was convinced. She had saw the fruit, and it looked delicious. The tree looked attractive, and and so the snake, of all things, convinced her to follow his advice. Just like that, she followed the devil's advice. Which, by the way, the serpent, the devil, is the epitome of wicked. In that first verse of the first chapter of Psalms, don't follow the advice of the wicked. The wicked is the devil. And then, after Eve, after Eve, Adam who should have been the leader, he followed Eve in eating the fruit. And then all of humanity followed Adam and continued to sin. We see the result of that today. Next thing we know, after Adam followed Eve, then we see murder. Their son, Cain, he killed Abel. And then after that, after, after Cain uh, committed murder, uh, there was a fellow named Lamech, and he followed Cain's example. And then after that, Lamech, who was influenced by Cain, married two women, and... Uh, The culture followed after that. Polygamy began right then. Lamech was the first man recorded to have married two women. And then after Lamech did it, uh, Jacob decided it would be a good idea on down the line. So he followed Lamech, which led to four wives. Jacob had four wives. And then that led to 12 sons, which caused a whole bunch of jealousy and hatred for their brother Joseph from all the sons there. In like Joseph, and all this—the uh, murder, the polygamy, the jealousy—well, that caused division. Solomon followed in polygamy as a means to make allies of other nations, which resulted in the, divi- the division of his own country after his death lesson from all of this is, don't follow the advice of the wicked. There is no joy in that. No joy in following that advice. Oh, you may not have asked the wicked for advice. Eve did not ask the snake for advice. He gave it on his own account. You know, we receive a whole lot of free advice every day. The media, it tells you how to feel. The media tells you how to treat others. It'll tell you about everything, actually. Advertising and marketing. Again, uh, the same thing that uh, Larry mentions. You know, it tells you how to spend your money. How about family and friends? Lots of free advice there. Hopefully it's good advice coming from your family and friends. But free advice doesn't equal good advice. We must always be careful about the source of the advice that we hear. Even advice given with good intentions by a friend or a loved one shouldn't be followed without some thought and some prayer. So, first off, when we get advice, we need to make sure that we are checking the motive behind that advice. Why are they telling you this? Why are you getting this advice? Do they have eternity in mind? Do they have your soul and the souls of others around you? Um, Do they have that in mind as as your soul going to heaven? Is that their motivation? Check their motive. And, And number two, we need to check the source. Check the source. When, when I was in college um, it, it, at the university, the internet was pretty new. It was, uh, it was awful convenient to look stuff up, to look information up on the computer and use it in your research papers. You just type it up. But the professors didn't allow that. It just wasn't allowed at that point in time because who knew who it was from? You can't believe what you read on the internet. Um, and you if you put any internet source on your works cited page, you would get your uh, zero credit for that paper. You have to check the source. The internet couldn't be checked. So check the source where you hear the information, the, the advice that you are getting, check the source. And number three, let's measure it against the Word of God everything. Uh, Even the advice that you give yourself, measure that against the Word of God. Uh, The Scripture tells us to meditate on the Word of God day and night. Spend some time in God's Word every day and apply it. After you read the Scripture, um, you're not just reading it for entertainment. Although some stories, can, some of the scripture can be really entertaining, but it's so that it will change your life. So don't forget the application part of reading and meditating on the Word of God. Uh, we have to be leaders, um, not naive followers. Men, we have to lead our families. And ladies, you can lead your friends and, and your children. And kids, lead your peers, kids, kids your leaders at school, um, your leaders to the neighbors that you hang out with. God has called us to be leaders, not followers of the advice of the wicked. Do not follow the advice of the wicked. Uh, Number two, uh, oh, the joys of those who do not stand around with sinners. Stand around with sinners. (laughs) Jesus says, Come and follow me. Not stand around. He says, Come and follow me. Now, I, I get the idea of, of standing around as kind of a the, the group of teenagers on the, the corner of a street, just hanging around a group. And there's nothing wrong with teenagers, and there's nothing wrong with teenagers hanging around in a group. But the idea is you, you see a bunch of them standing around, and you think, Boy, they're up to, to no good. You know, things like uh, peer pressure come into to mind and, and you, you get a bunch of guys together and they'll talk somebody into doing something that's not right. And uh, pretty soon it snowballs and you got bad things happening. That's what happens when you stand around with sinners. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10 through 19. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone. Just for fun, let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff we take. Come, throw in your lot with us. We'll all share the loot. My child, don't go along with them stay far from their paths. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. And if a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. If you stand around... With the wrong crowd you'll be enticed to do wrong things and it will rob you of life now jesus says go he says go tell the world about me stop standing around and go Uh, the shepherds that we learn about during christmas time they are an excellent example of this uh, after seeing the baby Jesus, they told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the baby Jesus. All who heard the shepherd's story, the scripture says, were astonished because they went. They didn't stand around. You know, the Lord chose uh, 72 other disciples in addition to the disciple, the 12 disciples. And um, he told them to go and to remember that he was sending them out as lambs among wolves. Let me me say that again. And Jesus speaks the same thing to us. He wants us to go and to remember that he is sending us out as sheep among wolves. And what's that mean? That means it's not going to be easy. Uh, Sheep don't stand around with wolves for obvious reasons, because uh, wolves are going to eat the sheep. <clears throat> and you know, <clears throat> Jesus uh, calls us sheep. So we are sheep. <clears throat> we are the people who are to follow Jesus. And it doesn't mean that uh, he isn't saying that we are geared up and made by God to be ate by the sinful world, by the wolves. That's not what he's saying here. <clears throat> what he's saying here is that it isn't going to be easy. The ones that we are geared up to reach, to, to uh, love on, to preach to, to help out, they are going to be like wolves to us. And if we stand around with them and invite them to devour us, it's going to happen. So we're going to stand around them we're not going to uh, spend time listening to their advice. And, and again, when this verse says, stand around with sinners. Uh, hey, I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. Uh, Romans says that there is no one who has not sinned. That's why Jesus comes for all of us. But this scripture is uh, primarily talking about those. So the, the, first, the first part of this verse was talking about the wicked, which is in general. Wicked is in general a person who is doing wrong just in general, and then it focuses into sinners. Don't stand around with the sinners. This is specifically talking about someone that is uh, intentionally disobeying God. They know what God is calling them to do, and they're choosing to sin. So that's what it's talking about when it says sinners. So if you hang around with the wolves, those who are intentionally choosing to sin, well then... You're going to get caught up with them. it's not going to be good. Jesus gives us what we call the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 19 verse 19, he says, "Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you." In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they received from us. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives. Idle sure sounds like those who stand around those who are not doing much bottom line don't stand around with sinners number three don't join in with mockers oh the joys of those who do not join in with mockers you know god will not be mocked galatians chapter 6 verse 7 don't be misled You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. I think about Pharaoh. When I think about uh, people mocking God, what happens when you mock God? Well, Moses and Aaron, they told Pharaoh... They said, uh, if you remember in the time of Egypt when the Israelites were slaves in, in Egypt, and in Moses and Aaron, they said, uh, here's what the Lord says, let my people go. And you know what Pharaoh said. He says, is, is that right? Is that what the Lord says? Who is the Lord, Pharaoh says, and why should I listen to him? And you know what happened to Pharaoh? He lost his country. He lost his slaves, and he lost his son. Don't mock God. Now, how about Goliath? Goliath, man, that big old dude, every day, he came out to battle with all his muscles and all his uh, swords and, and huge shield and helmet, and he would mock God. He would yell out insults, defying the army of the living God. He would taunt them. And you know what happened to Goliath? Don't mock God. How about uh, uh Maybe maybe you've never heard of, of Sinisharib, and maybe that's because I'm pronouncing his name wrong. He was the king of Assyria, and you can read about him in Second Chronicles chapter thirty-two, and also in Second Kings um, chapter nineteen. Um, Sennacherib also learned the hard way that you don't mock God. He was working on conquering the entire area of Israel. Basically, he wanted world domination. He was coming for the country of Judah, and he sent out a message to the king of Judah, whose name was Hezekiah. By the way, uh, Hezekiah, like David, He was honorable in God's sight. So basically, the whole message that uh, Sennacherib sent to Hezekiah was mocking God. He sent this big old long message. And then, when he came to meet Hezekiah, he intentionally belittled God in front of the people of Judah in order to entice them to join his side. Let me read it to you. Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-two, verse sixteen. And Sennacherib's officers further mocked the Lord God and His servant Hezekiah, heaping insult upon insult. The king also sent letters scorning the Lord, the God of Israel. He wrote. Just as the gods of all the other nations fail to rescue their people from my power, so the god of Hezekiah will also fail. The Assyrian officials who had brought the letters shouted this in Hebrew to the people gathering on the walls of the city, trying to terrify them so it would be easier to capture the city. These officers talked about the god of Jerusalem as though he were one of the pagan gods, made by human hands. Mm. And reading that, you think, boy, that doesn't sound like that's going to end well. Can you guess what happened next? I mean, we've already talked about some examples of mocking God, and here this fella is so bold, Sinusherab is just uh, insulting God and insulting God in front of all of God's people. Here's what happens next. Verse 20 through 21, Then King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to God in heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who destroyed the Assyrian army with all its commanders and officers. So Sinesherab was forced to return home in disgrace to his own land, and when he entered the temple of his God, some of his own sons killed him there with a sword. Ah. So what happened to Sinish Arab? Demise and destruction. And those people that Sinish Arab was trying to get to join with him? Boy, I bet they were glad they didn't. Psalms chapter 1 verse 1. Don't join in with the mockers. This Memorial Day weekend, I want you to remember Jesus. I want you to remember him being mocked on the cross. Remember that happening? Soldier there, all the crowd making fun of him. If you're the son of God, take yourself off that cross. You know it all started with the one who mocked God in the first place, the devil. And well, we've seen what happens when you mock God. Complete destruction. And so the complete destruction of evil began that day when Jesus was put on the cross. 2 Peter chapter 3 reminds us that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. But oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked and those who do not stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 57, one more verse for today. It says, but thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory victory and joy because we don't have to worry about hell because we get life everlasting because of what Jesus did on the cross, which was start the complete destruction of the ultimate deceiver, the wicked one, the devil. Praise God for the victory that we couldn't earn ourselves that he gives to us. Oh, the joy for Moses and the Israelites when they were set free from Pharaoh because of God's hand. Oh, the joys of Israel when they were freed from the oppression of Goliath and his army. And oh, the joys of Hezekiah and all of his people in that country when Sennacherib was not able to destroy them. Joy joy, oh the joy that we have because those folks who were mocking Jesus when he was on the cross, though they didn't know, because our enemy is not flesh and blood our enemy is the devil oh the joy that he gives, us Jesus gives us victory over him that he is defeated forever Folks, today, will you remember that? Remember that your faith in Jesus Christ gets you a place in eternity, a place called heaven. And that, my brothers and sisters, is why we can have joy. Will you pray with me now?